All right, here we are. I think we're good to go. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another live stream. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Glad to have you all. Um, hello to everyone that's piling in. Glad to have you. We had a, it was fun chatting with you all before the live stream started. Um, sometimes I can do that, but Kids have soccer games and blah, blah, blah. So I, I can't always make it. But today I was able to make it. That was kind of fun. Thanks for being there, folks. 44 Mad Guy 1, hello. Hello to everyone else who um, is piling in. I'm going to get right to it. We're in live chat. Yes. Yes. I think we're all live chatted up, which is where we want to be. Okay. So I've got a couple uh, things that I think are really important to talk about today. We're going to talk about line breeding fish, how to create your own line of fish. And this could be useful for all you guppy breeders out there and stuff. But it's also the general principles for pretty much any fish. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that in just a little bit. Before I do, though, the reason that I decided that the giveaway today would be for Santa Maria Endlers, and I'll talk about how to enter that giveaway in just a moment. So tonight you could win a couple pairs of Santa Maria Endlers. Um, these are the strain that I've been developing for a couple of years. And so I decided to take them as a case study and explain to you the, the process I used to create them um, and how, to, how I created my own line of Santa Maria Endlers. So since that was the discussion, and I'm, I'm talking about this because I've got lots of requests to cover it. So since that was going to be the topic, I figured it was just natural to give away the Santa Maria Antlers. That's reason one why they're the fish in the giveaway. Um, reason two, though, and after I talk about reason two, I'll talk about how to enter the giveaway. Reason two is that I thought that if I gave away Santa Maria Antlers, that might draw uh, a lot of people into the live stream which is important because I'm trying to use this live stream to raise some funds for candy overhauls. Um, anyone that's been active on YouTube in the fish fam and in the, in, in the fish videos and fish community and live streams, you'll know candy overhauls. If you don't know who she is, she's someone who shows up on many live streams and kind of tirelessly just helps the community. So she mods on lots of live streams. She's active in lots of Facebook groups and most of it she does without, you know, just to serve, just because she likes what she's doing, just because she is here to help. And so she's gone through a rough time recently. I talked to her earlier today to make sure this was okay to share with you guys. And she said it was okay. So her husband, his name is Stacy, had a heart attack on Saturday while he was driving. Uh, <laughs> major heart attack. He's been in the hospital thankfully is released now, is recovering, um, but lots of expenses there, right? And not just for the surgeries and for the procedures in the hospital stay, which was several days, that's real expensive, but also um, the medications. Uh, the medications cost more than my monthly food budget for my family of four. They're not cheap and, and they're going to be long-term, some of these medications. So Lots of expenses kind of just got dumped on Candy and her family. In addition, her furnace went out. This all happened this weekend. So first big snowstorm of the season. Her husband has a heart attack. Her furnace goes out. 
and her electricity goes out, right? So she's had quite a lot of trouble. So I thought, how can I help? So here's what I'm going to do. There's two things. First, I was hoping the Santa Maria Endlers would draw a lot of people in so that we get lots of people able to help. Any, any, um, the, the, there's two ways to help out. The first one is any super chats that come, I'm going to split 50-50 with candy. So I'll take half of what I get from the super chats and I'll write a check to candy and her family. I know them. I've been to their house several times. They're, they're pretty close to me as far as things in Wyoming go. So I can get to that, to them easily. I go up to their town, uh, at least, at least twice a month, sometimes four times a month to the airport to pick up new fish. Now that's way number one. Way number two is if you want like all your funds to go to candy, if you just send a PayPal to dan at dansfish.com, then 100% of that money will go to candy. And I will screen share the PayPal information with candy and all that. So, so there's someone else verifying this is all on the up and up so that, you know, I'm not just taking the money and running. Um, I'm not comfortable screen sharing my PayPal account with the entire world just because there's sensitive information on there from customers and their orders and all that. And I can't show you how much money is coming into PayPal to help candy without divulging all that that in any way I know of. But if you send money to dan at dansfish.com and if you can make it a gift so that it's tax free, so that we don't have to pay taxes on that, then um, if you can't figure out how to do that, that's fine. We'll, we'll pay the taxes. But if you send it as a gift, then it's tax free from what I understand. And I'll take all that money and uh, get that to Candy and her family to help. She's just been such a massive help to so many of us for so long and never asked anything in return that I'd like to do this for her. So the two ways, again, any Super Chats left, half of uh, what I get from those will go to her and her family. And PayPal, Dan at dancefish.com. You can send gifts there, send money there. Um, Please leave a note. This is for candy or something like that so that I know <laughs> that it's not a fish order and I'm like trying to find the order and all that. And um, those are the two ways I think we can help. So hopefully we can band together and help them. Um, if you can't, I understand. I'm like we're a lot of time and money are all stretched thin for a lot of us. But but if you can, that would be wonderful. Um, I'll. Also, the other thing is I will leave this open till the end of the week. So uh, Sunday at midnight is when I'll, you know, officially close down the PayPal thing. And I want to do PayPal, A, because more of the money will go to her if you do PayPal. So if you want the money just to go to her, not to me, send it to PayPal. Um, but the other thing is if you're watching this on a replay after this live stream is over, I want you to be able to participate. And you're not going to be able to participate through a super chat at that point. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the the two reasons I did the Santa Marie Endlers for today. I was thinking that'll probably draw a lot of people, and maybe we can can help Candy out quite a bit. People are already doing it. Thanks so much, Annalie. Ten dollars, awesome. The Fish Tank Barn, twenty bucks, awesome. Michael Wentworth, two dollars. Thank you. And Chattanooga, Ed Chattanooga, um, twenty bucks. So. That's already a good start to help her out. Again, if you're like, I want this whole donation to go to Candy, send it to PayPal, dan at dancefish.com. She'll get all of that. If you want to split it, 
leave a super chat and I'll split that with her. All right. So uh, the PayPal address, Bathy Phil, let me, it's, it's my email. I'll type it in here. PayPal Addy is Dan at dansfish.com. And the nice thing about that is, um, you know, 30, if you leave a super chat, there's the 30% taken out. Um, and then I split the rest with her PayPal on a gift. I don't think there's any fees. If there are, it's like 2.9%. So the money from PayPal more will get to her and her family. So, um, yep. Appreciate all that. Michael Wentworth. Thank you so much for leaving a super chat there. Um, all right. So now let's get to the topic of the day. 80 watching. Thanks for being here, folks, which is how I created the Santa Maria Endler line. Now, when I got the Santa Maria Endlers, I could only get four males. They were really hard to find. No females and limited males. Michael Wentworth, thanks for the additional super chat. Appreciate that. Um, so how do you create a line when you only have four males without inbreeding and all that? And I think this same situation is applicable to a lot of people that are trying to raise cares fish or rare fish and can only find a couple. Killifish people are notorious. They often just have a pair, <laughs> right? That's a little harder. But let me show you my method. And it's fairly simple, but it's fairly hard to explain so I'm going to switch here and show you a presentation about this. Okay. So with four males, here's what I did. This is the first generation, which is P0. So these are the parents, no offspring yet. So I had four males. So I put the males in separate tanks, tank one, two, three, four, right? So the first male is SM Endler, that's Santa Maria Endler. The females... These were tequila sunrise guppies because I could not get Santa Maria Endler males. And the, the colors on the tequila sunrise I thought would um, complement the Santa Maria line. Now, for all of those out there that are losing their minds right now because I crossed an Endler with the Santa Maria I'm sorry, with a, a guppy and made a hybrid and how dare I, you should know that Santa Maria Endlers are hybrids. There's different classes of Endlers. Uh, one is we know it's a wild fish. We can trace the lineage to a wild collection point. One is we think it's a wild derived from a wild population that's pure Endler blood, but we can't trace it. And the last one is this is a guppy hybrid or a suspected guppy hybrid, right? So Santa Maria Endlers are, the line was developed by hybridization with guppies. So by taking them and crossing them with guppies, I wasn't creating a new hybrid, okay? For all of those that are about to lose their minds <laughs> about hybridization. That being said, I have nothing, whoops, against hybridization and um, between endlers and guppies. As long as you're upfront about it, when you're selling the fish. So people that get them are not thinking that they're getting a, a pure endler strain and know that it's a hybrid, then, then I have nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Anyway, so did this, waited for them to breed a few generations or a few drops, I should say. So I left the female guppies in with those endler males. They would drop babies. I would remove them. I let them do that three or four times to clean out 
the previous uh, genetics that that female was using to fertilize the eggs, right? So generally what happens is when a female guppy or endler drops fry, pretty soon after that, she's very receptive to new sperm from a different male. And if a different male fertilizes her, there's a good chance that a lot of the babies in her next drop will be from that male, okay? In case you don't know, a lot of live bears like guppies and endlers can store sperm. So a female might mate with a male once, and then for several generations, she can drop fry that are fathered by that one male, even if she's been removed from him, right? So to prevent that sperm from the old male from fertilizing the new batches, um, you put the female in with the male you want to breed, and you just remove a few drops of fry for a few months to give that new male's sperm a chance to become the dominant kind of fertilization factor, okay? So did that. Uh, T.S. Guppy means tequila sunrise guppy. F is female. M1 is male number one, male number two, male number three, male number four. Okay, so that's generation PO. Then what do we do? Then we have our F1 generation. So as soon as these female guppies drop fry that have been bred by this Santa Maria Endler male, that's our first generation, F1. So the females drop fry from that male and I remove them. So the guppy females go into this tank over here. The kind of peach colored, pink colored tanks are non-breeding tanks. These are storage tanks, right? These are no longer, or tanks that aren't being actively used in the uh, production of this line. So all these females, once we had fry from them that were fathered by these males, got removed. Then their fry were raised up in this tank. They weren't moved, but the males were moved. So male number one was moved to this tank. M2 was moved to this tank. M3 was moved to this tank. And M4 was moved over here. So that way, um, and this is done when the babies are very young. So that way, the babies are going to be virgins, which will be um, bred to a different male than their father. So the inbreeding isn't as extreme. Okay. They, I mean, there's still some relation going on here. It's like niece to uncle, but it's not daughter to father. So there's a little more variance in the genes. All right. So the females are taken out. The males switch tanks into a new batch of babies. And as those babies grow up, those males will father the next generation. So they'll breed with the females that are growing up. As soon as the fry start coloring out, so as soon as I notice any males in the batch of fry here, this F1 batch, they're removed as well. Okay. So then we go into F2. So this is what this means. So the F1 males are removed so that, yeah, so they aren't inserting their genes. Now, this first generation F1, the fish, I wish I had taken lots of pictures so I could show you. They don't look anything like Santa Maria endlers. They look like guppies. They have the finnage of guppies, um, weird colors, big mix, some finnage, of, uh, some body shape and finnage of endlers. Just this big mix, but nothing looks like what you want it to look like. 
nothing looks like tequila. Well, a few look like tequila sunrise um, because they're kind of leftover sperm in there from previous matings. But in general, you just get this big mix of stuff. Then you do it again. Now, for the F2 generation, we remove all the females. Okay, they come out here. So the F1 generation females drop their fry, are removed. The uh, male from the batches of fry are removed. And then we play musical males again. So now M3, male number three moves here. Male number four moves here. Male number five moves here. Male number, I'm sorry, one and two move here. So the tank is staying and the males are moving. The females are staying. It's just the males that are bouncing from tank to tank. Okay. And then we do it again with the next generation. Same thing. The males rotate into the next tank over and breed with the females of the next generation. And that's how with a limited number of the fish that you want to breed, you can create um, your own line. Now, it took, I don't remember exactly how long, but probably nine generations or so before I started getting a good number of Santa Maria's coming from these breedings. So it takes a long time to back cross and back cross and back cross two different males. You're rotating the males. So it's not straight line breeding, right? Um, before they started dropping fry. And when I remove the males, I can monitor their progress and say like, okay, there's 20 males in here. 10 of them don't look like Santa Maria endlers. 10 do. We're not there yet. A couple more generations. Oh, now there's 20 males and there's only three that don't look like Santa Maria endlers. And then you start picking, once you get it to the point where that, the fry are turning out like what you want, they look like Santa Maria Endlers, then you can start taking those fry, selecting the best, and crossing those into the line. So now instead of just breeding to get Santa Maria Endlers, you're breeding for specific traits. Um, darker black, orange on the belly that that isn't just a thin slice, but that actually goes like halfway up the body of the fish. Um, extended tail fins with a lot of orange in them, things that you want to do. So that's basically how I created the line. Now, there were a few missteps. Every now and then I'd get busy and not take out the males that were growing up in time. And I yeah, have to take it all out and wait for the next batch. Like there's a couple setbacks just because life, right? But that's the general principle. Now, if you have a CARES species or another species, these principles apply too. If you only have three pairs, you can still do this. You can rotate, you don't, you can rotate males or females, whatever, into different tanks so that you're breeding as distantly related fish to each other as possible given the limited gene pool you have to work with, okay? And you can go for a long time if you do this and you're real selective before you have to outcross. You'll know when you have to outcross because you'll start seeing like bent spines or fins that aren't the right shape and any issues like that. Um, then if you have access to more fish, then you can do an outcross to an unrelated gene set. However, 
there are lots of lines of live bears that keep going, lots of lines of killifish that have been going for decades, and there's not a lot of outcrossing going on. So your job is to be as selective as you can for health, body size, body shape, and color so that um, so you can keep things going healthy as long as possible. Because there might be situations where there are no new genetics available for you to cross in. It's a very likely scenario, especially in a lot of the rare fish, fish that are extinct in the wild. Um, I'm thinking a lot of the goodyids and stuff where there just aren't that many people keeping some of them. So things like that. So anyway, that is how you can create a line. That's how I created my line of Santa Maria Endlers, which are the giveaway. So in order to win those, here's how you win them. Let me show you. Um, it's right here. Hashtag we love candy. Candy is spelled with an I, C-A-N-D-I. Um, so we can send our love to Candy Overholes, who for those of you who are just joining, um, Candy Overholes is you all know her, I'm sure if you're here. She helps this community a ton, not just this channel, the entire online fish community a ton. Um, her husband had a heart attack on Saturday. She, her furnace went out, her electricity went out. There's lots of tr struggles going on right now. So we're doing some fundraising for her. Um, if you would like to help, if you would send any donation to dan at dansfish.com through PayPal, just my email address, dan at dansfish.com. Um, and if you can send it as a gift, that would be great because those are tax-free and I don't think PayPal takes fees out of those. Um, then I will make sure all that money gets to Candy so we can help her out. Also, any Super Chats for tonight, I'll split with Candy, 50-50. So whatever I get from that, I'll, I'll give her half of it. Um, so if you want to support both of us, leave a Super Chat. If you want to support Candy specifically, send to PayPal through my PayPal address, which is dan at dancefish.com. By the way, I will screenshot that and share all that information with Candy so that so there's someone else verifying that all the money that came in that's supposed to go to Candy gets to her. Okay, so it's not just not just my word. Although I'm I'm I think I'm a trustworthy dude, <laughs> but I want some verification, right? Um, so that's kind of what's going on tonight. Okay, I took a little video of the actual endlers I'll be sending you. They're pretty darn good. The video isn't the best. It starts off good. And then, like, for some reason, the GoPro's lighting gets funky. I'm not quite sure. But um, let me show you this. All right. So here they are. This is a couple years of work to get to this point. A lot of orange on the body, nice black on top, and the orange goes all the way up pretty much to the lateral line. Sorry, that's where the light changed, like the GoPro's adjusting to light when it doesn't need to. Um, but these are the actual fish you'll be getting. I'll send you a couple pairs if you win tonight to enter the giveaway, hashtag we love candy. Um, C-A-N-D-I, not candy like you eat with a Y on the end. Um, and you'll get these. This is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to create this line. They're quite pricey. I sell them at $85 a pair normally. You'll get two pairs, at least two pairs. 
And as you can see, the females are robust. This is a healthy fish. Um, these aren't stressed out imports or anything. These are ones that I was holding back um, as a plan B in case my first colony went under, basically. Uh, that first colony has a lot of new fry now, so, so now I can, I can go ahead and send these. So those are the actual fish you'll be getting if you win the contest tonight. Dolly Vigil, thank you so much for leaving some for Candy and I there on the table. Very much appreciate it. Um, all right, 94 watching, not bad. Welcome. If you wouldn't mind liking, sharing, subscribing, hitting notification bells, inviting your in-laws to join, whatever. I, I, I'm hoping we get a lot of people in tonight, not just for me, of course it helps my channel, but really the point tonight is to help the Overholz family, help Candy and Caleb and Stacy. Okay, so I'm going to get to your questions and comments. Um, let's just check and make sure Nightbot is working. I see people living, 51 eligible users. Yeah, looks like it's all working fine. Great. I want to check that now so we don't get to the end of the stream. <laughs> and then look at me like, oh, never mind. That wasn't on right. Um, oh, I also wanted to show one more thing before I get to your questions and comments. A lot of people have been asking me about shipping, how I ship. Um, let me show you this. In just one second here. Okay. So this is how I do it. I use this website. This is goshippo.com. I use it because it's free. So if I'm sending a fish to somebody awesome, that's their first and last name. Uh, their email is that. <laughs> and their address is, I don't know, that. So here's what I like about it. As soon as I start entering their address, it starts leaving me here um, options. And it's pretty accurate. Once you get to um, East Street, Laramie, once you get, I'm just making up an address, but it kind of helps you select. Then you select it and suddenly it autofills, which is awesome. So I like GoShippo because it's free and it autofills. And because they ship a ton of packages through GoShippo.com, um, you get a discounted rate when you ship through them. Now, I'm not paid to say that. I'm, I, I'm not sponsored by them. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm just someone who's used their site for quite a while and been pretty happy with it. The one thing I don't like about it is that it doesn't save addresses. So if I send a fish to, I don't know, Kaler's Aquatics, then a few months later, Kaler's Aquatics buys more fish. I have to re-enter the address again, which is ridiculous in this day and age. I should uh, enter his name or email and it should just kind of self-populate. Um, so that's the one thing I don't like about that website. In fact, I've kind of emailed them and said, I've asked a few times for them to get that feature up and they haven't. So I'm gonna email them again and say, okay, you got two weeks where I'm switching because there are other companies that do it. But um, in general, been a very good website to use. Um, you can do USPS and then you can also do UPS through them if you prefer UPS. I'm not sure if they're hooked up with FedEx or not. Okay, 
Rockford Fishkeeping, 351. It's all I have to help candy. Hey, it's all appreciated. And I get it. Like I'm I'm on what I call ramen wages. I, I understand. Like I I wish I could give more too, but I do what I can. Um, all right. We're going to scroll up as high as I can and start getting to your questions and comments. So let's see what's going on. Bathy Phila, what's the PayPal address again? Dan at dancefish.com. Thanks for asking. Um, Kayla's Aquatics, if anyone has a question or comment, be sure to put at dancefish so he'll see it for you. So he'll see you. Yeah, that really helps when it highlights. Uh, Marie Z, check your PayPal. It didn't give me an option for a gift, so I sent a note with it. That's fine. That's fine. Um, a note's appreciated. If you if you do donate through PayPal, um, a note is greatly appreciated. So I know it's for candy and not like some fish order and have to search for it and not find it and be confused, right? Marie Z, thanks so much. I'll check PayPal at the end and let, let folks know um, how we're doing there. Gee, I do believe through the breakdown of genes of Tequila Sunrise, the typical genes are Japanese blue, Carif yellow, Yellow Cobra line. I'm not sure of the Endler side of it. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm not. Um, I believe you. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not savvy enough on all the guppy genetics that go into each strain to to your mic volume to know for sure. Your mic volume changes hugely when you switch screens. That's not good. Hang on, I'm going to scroll to the bottom here and do a quick test. Um, can you guys let me know if that's still happening? Okay, so you're going to see the infinite loop here for a second. I'm going to switch screens. Um, would you let me know how it is? So I just switched screens. Is that, is it like really bad now? Is it too quiet? Did it change a lot? I think I'm talking the same level. And I'm still as close to the mic. I wonder if before, maybe I switched screens before, it's louder. Wow. Okay, let me just check some. If you'll all bear with me for one moment. Um, so it's like noticeably louder, huh? Okay. I wonder why. Let me check this volume here. Oh, you know what? Okay. Does it still work? Can you all still like hear and stuff or is it really bad? Do I need to like fix it now on the fly or is this something I can change for next live stream? Let me know how bad it is on your end, guys. It sounds the same to me, says Jess. It's a little louder, but not enough to bother me, says Ray. Okay. So if it's not like so bad that it doesn't work... Um, I'll keep going and I'll play with settings. I wonder if, um, so I use OBS and there are different mic settings for each screen I use. So when I switch screens, if I have it set different, maybe it, it would have a different, um, volume. So I appreciate you letting me know that's something I would just never have realized was happening without you telling me. So thank you fish tube. I appreciate it. I will look into that uh, before next live stream, just so I don't have to uh, bore you guys with me watching me try to fix settings. Dolly Vigil, talking about how to breed me taking notes. Awesome, Dolly. Yes, because breeding is pleasure. I love this t-shirt. 
thank you all for being just weird enough to make breeding his pleasure a thing. <laughs> all right. 110 watching. Thanks for being here, everybody. True LTD, we all love candy. Yes. Um, anyone that's been active at all in the fish fam on YouTube and a lot of lots of Facebook groups too appreciates what she does. New Mexico Aquatics, have you ever bred barbs in water with pH of 7.8? Do most barbs want water that is closer to 7? Still working on the cherry barbs. Thank you kindly. Um, yes, I've bred barbs at 7.8 or higher. I use, I mean, this is the first place I've lived where I have, where I have soft water. Everywhere else it's been hard and not just hard, like hard. <laughs> like, like rock on hard, right? Um liquid cement. Now there's a lot of species of barbs that probably wouldn't do that well in that, but most of the commonly available barbs that are farm bred all over and especially bred in Florida are going to be fine in hard alkaline water. Cherries, tigers, um, lots of them will do fine. However, if you try several times and they spawn and there's eggs and there's no success, then it couldn't hurt to cut in some RO water or distilled water. Not pure distilled the whole tank, but like start with 25% distilled water and the rest of your normal aquarium water, tap water. And then if that doesn't work, maybe do 50%, right? And see if you get more success. There are species that the eggs fertilize a lot better is soft water. But I don't think most of the barbs, we're talking cherry barbs here, those can breed in almost anything in my experience. But it doesn't hurt to play with that if you're trying and trying and not having luck. Skipper's Aquariums, Fancy Tail Aquatics question is, thank you Skipper's Aquariums for bringing that to my attention. So how do you ship live fish in winter with heat pack? Do the size of box for small amounts? Um, what heat pack? Okay, so I started using heat packs uh, last week, I think, because it's cold here in Wyoming. It snowed yesterday here in Wyoming. Just a light dusting, but it snowed. Small Fry Aquatics, $99.99. For candy, if you can, please talk about choline endlers. Small Fry, thank you so much for that generous donation. I really, really appreciate it. Rico de Gallo, $24.99. I'm having success with my panda Cory eggs using what I learned from your egg care video. Here's a little token of my appreciation to you and Candy. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that that's worked for you. Panda Cory, so much fun. Um, okay, so what I'm doing now, first off, I check my temperatures really well, so I, I know what's going to be happening. I also check the temperatures in Casper, Wyoming, because my fish are going to stop there. And in Denver, Colorado, because my fish will stop there and route to where they're going. And as and for the last couple of weeks, a lot of my fish are going to Cheyenne for some reason. By the way, everyone that ordered this week, it's been really weird. So I sent the fish priority, like always, on Monday. Two boxes made it across the country and were delivered on Tuesday, like next day. It was great. However, all of the other boxes, every single one has been delayed. I don't know what's going on, but they like ended up going to Cheyenne, which is not normal. So I don't know what's happening. But anyway, the parts 
of the country or my state where I know the fish are going, I check those temperatures. And then I check your temperatures as well to see what it's like. So right now my temperatures and the temperatures in Wyoming are pretty cold. You might live in Texas where it's hot. So I just use a small heat pack so that they're kept warm for a day or two while they're getting out of Wyoming. And my hope is that the heat pack is burned out or slowed down significantly by the time it gets to you if you're in Texas. So I size the heat pack according to where they're going. Now I did ship a box this week that was going to Spokane, Washington, and the temperatures there were like really cold. So I put a nice big heat pack in there because I want that box to stay warm the entire trip. So the size of heat pack I use just depends on where the fish is going and the path it's taking to get there and the temperatures along the path, if that makes sense. I have 20 hour heat packs, I have 48 hour heat packs, I have um, 72 hour heat packs and I have 96 hour heat packs. Now the boxes are well insulated and something else I try to do is make sure that the um, thermal ballast, if you will, in the box is as high as possible. So if you only order one fish, but the box could hold six fish, then what I'll do is I'll fill a bag with water, no fish, and I'll fill that empty space with bags of water in the winter and in the heat, heat of the summer, right? The hot heat of the summer. What that does is it makes it so that there's enough water in there that the temperature is going to change slowly. If I just send one little bag of fish in the box and I have a heat pack in there, it could overheat that one little bag because there's just a little bit of water in it. But if there's that fish in there with another bag or two just full of water, it takes a long time for that water temperature to heat up. So it's like a heat sink. And it also takes a lot longer for the water to cool if you're shipping in summer. So know the path, pick the heat pack you're going to use according to the path it's going to take and the temperatures along that path as well as their destination and put as much temperature ballast in there as you can. Don't be a cheapskate and be like, well, save $2 if I don't put an empty bag of water ballast in there because it's lighter. It's always worth spending two extra bucks to get the fish where they're going safely, right? Um, and by the way, fancy tail, I'm not calling you a cheapskate. I'm just saying in general, spend a little extra money to cover the extra weight so that the temperatures don't fluctuate as much or as quickly. So those are the general things, I guess, that I would say about it. There's no one rule about on this date, I, I use this size heat pack. It, it, there's too many variants on where the fish are going in the path and all in the temperatures they're going to be subject to. Now, that being said, something else we have to take in mind, um, keep in mind, <laughs> I was going to say take into account and then I and then I switched to keep in mind. So it became take in mind. <laughs> take this into your mind. <laughs> no. Um, is that when the box goes on an airplane and that airplane goes up to 30,000 feet in an unheated cargo hold, it gets cold, right? Even in the summer. This is why it's always so frustrating to me when I see uh, fish being shipped in boxes without like styrofoam lining in it. Because even if it's in the summer, say the temperatures along the entire route are like in the mid 70s. Perfect. No problem. Yeah. But then that box goes in the cargo hold of an airplane, goes up to 30,000 feet and it's super cold up there. Right. So just keep that in mind as well. 
Fancy Tell, I hope that answered your question. If, if you need a follow-up or have a specific part of it you want me to cover more in detail, or there's a part that I forgot to cover that you want to know about, let me know and I can do that. Dolly Vigil, what else are you holding back on us? I'm not sure what that's in reference to. It's been too long, Dolly, but <laughs> tons of cool stuff. No, nothing. Like as soon as stuff's ready to go, I try to I try to post it for sale because it's uh, how I make my living. So I try not to hold anything back if I can help it. In fact, all the fish that I got in the unboxing um, from last Monday, um, most of those are going to be for sale on Friday. So if you're interested in the electric blue jack Dempsey's, um, the neon dwarf rainbows which i'll be selling in pairs so you can get pairs of those if you want to breed them or watch males display for females um those are going to be available most of the others are too the bosmani came down with ick so the bosmani rainbows are probably not going to be ready by this week i'll probably need an extra week because i'll have them cured by the end of this week if all goes well but then i want to give them a full week uh to recover and be okay before i try shipping them um the chili rasboras I'll probably sell Friday, I'm thinking, because I've got them fat and happy. But they haven't colored yet, though. And so I might hold them just a little longer till they color. So I'm sure I'm selling you chili rasboras and not exclamation point rasboras. They look so similar when they're colored down. It's hard for me to tell until the chilies color up. And then I'm like, oh, those really are chili rasboras. So depending on when they color, I might post them this Friday. Um, what am I missing? Oh, this Scarlet Bat is doing fantastic. Those, those will be ready on Friday unless something totally unforeseen happens. And the, um, the Celestial Pearl Danios, the CPDs, I'm happy to say have stabilized. For those watching, you know, they came in, they looked great. Then a few days later, they, they just started going downhill. They got super thin and they, some of them got, uh, like, it didn't look like ick. It was like a really fine white powder on them almost, almost like velvet, but white. They're recovering from that. They're not clamped up as much anymore. They're eating. So I'm hopeful they'll be ready. Um, I treated for internal parasites and I think that did the trick external too, because of that stuff on their skin. But, um, but it's going to be another at least week, probably two weeks before I even consider selling them. So those will be a little longer. Um, so I'm not holding back. It's just uh, stuff's not ready till it's ready. Like I don't ever send anything unless I'm like, yes, I'm, I would send this to my mother. I'm confident that this will get there alive. Sometimes it takes work and extra time. Um, Small Fry Aquatics, could you talk about cooling? Your arias, <laughs> Santa Maria's, I think. So culling for me is, so I only have a limited number of breeding tanks, right? So culling for me just means anything, basically how I do it is I, I just select the top fish from each batch and use them in future breeding projects. So I don't actively like remove, oh, that fish is deformed. I'm going to remove it. I just move fish that I want to keep breeding to a new tank. And if there's, and I pick the top of the batch. So let's say they, okay. So I've got like five or six females in with each male, right? Let's say they each drop 10 to 20. So let's just say that I've got a hundred fry to make it 
easy. So we'll select the top few males and the top few females, and those will become my next breeding project. So that's how I cull. I just take the top fish for continued uh, donation of genetics, if you will. And anything that isn't the top fish, I just don't breed. So culling means just not letting that fish be part of the gene pool. It doesn't mean killing a fish. Um, in fact, in a lot of my fish room tours and things, if you look closely, you'll see every now and then a deformed fish. Um, so that's a fish that I've culled from the breeding by not selecting them as the top. But I've also culled from shipping. I'm not going to send you a fish with a crooked spine or a deformity or something that I can see is obviously not, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it perfect, um, but um, obviously not desirable. That's obviously wrong uh, with their genetics or their body shape or fin shape or whatever. Um, those fish I cull from the, the shipping stock as well. And I'll just put them in a separate tank where the rest of that species is not being kept and um, let it live out its life. So I've got a Limia nigrofasciata with a horribly bent spine. The only one I've ever had in the years I've been raising this line. Um, it's just living its life. I had a, what was it? A uh, Wapoga red laser rainbow from a batch I raised that had a crook spine. It just, they just live their life. So that's how I call. I just select the top from the batch and breed them because I get so many. I don't like be like, well, I only had six, so I'm going to remove this one because it's deformed. Yeah. So I remove the good fish and use them instead of removing the bad fish, I guess. But it really is if it's not the – okay. It really is if the size is not good, if it's, if it's not a robust size, that's not going to be selected for future breeding. If the body shape or fin shape, the silhouette of the fish, if you will, is not – what I want, then I won't select that one for breeding. And then the easy one is color. You know, if it, if the, if it doesn't have enough orange on it in the Santa Maria's, then I, I don't select it. Um, it's too much black or if it has too much orange and, and there's hardly any black, I won't select it, but I want that balance. And then the last one is health. Any fish that just isn't eating well or isn't robust, um, doesn't get selected either. So hopefully that talks about how I call for those that were asking. That's the, the second question I've seen about that. So worth going into. Chewy, with your quarantine system, I'd like to know what you do with the water that you change and how you dispense of water that contains medication. Okay, so the thing to understand about the medications is that by the time I remove them, they're depleted. So... I don't do a lot. If I'm removing medications before they're depleted, then I have a whole bunch of carbon and I throw that in the tank, let that absorb the medications for like 12 hours or you actually, it's usually overnight um, for a day. And then, and then I remove that water. So usually though, I mean, the medications have a half life. And so, um, you dose knowing I have an auto water change system. So if you're dosing something that you don't want to get into the 
sewer system, basically, in the wastewater system, then you dose it and give it 24 hours, basically, to uh, degenerate before it's released. So, Chewy, that's how I do it. But plenty of activated carbon if I ever need to strip medicine from water, which I do on occasion. Alien World Aquatics. I made it. Hey, everybody. Hey, alien. Good to see you. Edward Rodriguez. Any experience with Saddleback Corey, Corey Weitzman and I? I might get a hand on a small group of six this Sunday. Man, I almost ordered some for Monday. I'm getting a, an awesome group of fish on Monday. I hope. I mean, if they arrive. I ordered an awesome group of fish. Uh, Weitzman and I were available. Um, I didn't do it, though, just because of the price. Like, would you pay 40 bucks each for a Weitzman eye? It just felt high for me. That's that's what I'd have to sell them at, I think, is about 40 bucks based on their, their cost. Um, the only real experience with, that I have with them was seeing them in Rich Briarly's um, fish room, if you can call it that. It's more like a warehouse in Sacramento, California, uh, when I was there a little while ago. Saw his group. Um, they're awesome. But I've never kept Weitzman eye, so I don't have a lot of direct experience to tell you. Wichita Falls Fishkeeper. Hi, Dan. Does Shippo offer better rates for UPS too? Yes, you get a small discount when you ship uh, through UPS as well. Um, I was looking into the UPS two-day shipping method, so 48-hour shipping method, if you will, and it was for a small box, um, seven by seven by six, is I think the one I was pricing out. And I think it was going to be about 30 bucks, uh, which is a lot more reasonable than UPS's normal cost. So yeah, so that might be a good way to ship through UPS and get a discount uh, by going through Shippo. Fish tube, yes, mic volume changes. Yeah, it's louder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't know what to tell you about that. Uh, weird. I, I'll play with the settings. Okay, Rick, it's a little louder. Okay, cool, cool. Thanks everyone for chiming in about the mic issue I was having and helping me uh, see that there actually is an issue. So I know what to do, or at least what to check. All right, I'm scrolling up because chat jumped on me like it's want to do. Here we go, found it. Okay. (laughs) My chair just squeaked like crazy. Uh, Annalie, we love candy. If I win, send mine to her, please. I will do that. Uh, I'll have to check and make sure that she wants them. But yes, if you win the Santa Maria Endlers, then I will happily send them to candy. Just remind me, would you, um, that that's happening? If you do win. Okay, Michael Wentworth, with the proposed new setup and runnings flow-through type system using a local waterway, what's your treatment plan for be- – oh, okay. So what's your treatment plan before returning water to the outside source? Okay. So what I really want to do with the, the expansion I'm, – I'm scaling this business up. I've been doing this for about a year just to see if I could make a difference, just to see if I could uh, create a process, a sustainable process to ship fish – in such a way that you get them alive and not just alive, but that they do well long-term for you. Um, so it took a year to kind of play with that and make sure that worked and collect all that data. So I knew I was being successful and to get some financial data so I could share that with 
investors. So they knew what they were getting into if they want to invest and help me scale this business and all that. Um, now I'm ready to go ahead and do that. So I'm talking to, you know, angel investors and, and folks that want to help with this to raise the money necessary to expand into a warehouse. And this warehouse is going to be built along the river. And what's going to happen is water will come in, flow through the system and flow back into the river. So there's a real concern there, right? How do you make sure the water going back to the river is not contaminated? And how do you make sure the water coming in from the river doesn't hurt your fish if there's some kind of disease or pathogen or something, pesticides um, in the, the water you're bringing in? So let me go into that. Um, and by the way, it's a good volume of water. I, I want each tank's volume of water to turn over once per hour. This facility will be about 15,000 gallons. So that means we'll use about 15,000 gallons of water per hour. I want to do that because at that rate of turnover, we no longer have to have biological filtration, right? We don't have to have sponge filters and all that. And I mean, it takes me a long time every week, hours every week to clean all the sponge filters I have in, in this facility. And I want to cut that out. <laughs> Plus, I think constant fresh water is just more natural to fish. Like it, it, it'll just be, I think, healthier for them and better for them. Uh, yeah, just to have that constant turnover will be really good for them. So the water comes in uh, probably through a wet well um, is how we'll, we'll harvest the water from the river. We'll bring it in. It'll run through several sediment filters down to probably one micron. So we'll probably start at like, I don't know, 50 to 20 microns and gradually go down to one micron. So we're taking the sediment out. Then it's going to get hit with, and this is the secret, it's going to get hit with um, ozone. So we have an ozone generator that goes into that water. Ozone is like hydrogen peroxide. It's a heavy oxidizer. Ozone is O3. It's a very unstable oxygen compound. You take that oxygen molecule you put it in water with other molecules and it's going to oxidize anything coming in, pretty much anything, and pretty much destroy any organic matter and compounds coming in with the water. So the ozone comes in, purifies the water after the sediments, but set, sediments been removed. Then it goes through a carbon block filter to help absorb anything the ozone missed, but mostly to strip the ozone out of the water before it goes into the aquariums. It runs through all the aquariums. And then on the way out, same thing. The discharge water goes through sediment filters, gets hit with ozone again, goes through a carbon block, and then is returned to the river. So really, the water we return to the river is going to be cleaner than the water we take out of the river and better oxygenated as well, because ozone's byproduct is oxygen once it's done going through the carbon. So that's the big plan, uh, Michael Wentworth. And, and that's the reason that I really want to do it on the river because I can use that water, have really healthy fish environment for my fish and also do the river a service by taking out pesticides and, and all those things uh, in the process before I return it to the river. So that's how you do that. 
Tufu, hi, welcome. I hope the fish are doing well that I sent you. Bathyphila looking to get into topwater killies like Aplicylus and Epiplates. Good move. They're awesome. Killies Aquatics, $100. We love candy. Bob, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's going to make a big difference, I'm sure. Thanks, Bob, for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but makes the wife super happy. And in this case, um, I'm happy to be able to help candy out. My buddy, sorry, back to Bathy Phil. I got distracted by that bright red $100 super chat. Looking to get it in. Sorry, I'm going to start over. Just a minute. Just a second. Sorry. <clears throat> Bathy Phila. Looking into getting into topwater killies like Aplicylus and Epiplates. My buddy told me of problems with cannibalism in the fry, ending up with only one or two fish from a spawn. Any tips? Absolutely true, especially with the Aplicylus, especially with the larger Aplicylus, very pronounced in lineatus. So that's like the golden wonder, for example. Can also happen in panchaks, can also happen in dayai. I think the best way to prevent that is by having a lot of food. Um, often what happens is we don't feed our fry that much or that often. And there's periods where they're going hungry. And so a few fish get a few extra meals in them or have something, some advantage like that where they get just a little edge and then they're able to get more food than the other fish each feeding and you extrapolate that over a little while and suddenly you've got a fish that's substantially bigger than its companions. And those are little predators and they will eat the smaller fry as soon as they can fit them in their mouths. Again, not so much with the epiplates, although it can happen, but definitely for the aplicitis. So in my opinion, the way to cure that is you have constant food available, so it kind of balances out. So it isn't a situation where all the food's eaten and there isn't any left or you're hungry and there isn't food to eat. If there's constant food saturation, then everyone kind of gets a lot to eat and you'll have less of that problem because you'll have less dramatic differences in growth. But you can still have some differences and ultimately the only way to really prevent that or you can't prevent it entirely to deal with that is to sort for size. So this is why Killy Keepers often have lots of different small aquarium or even like little plastic containers and stuff so that at that stage they can sort for size and remove any that are big enough to eat the others into their own little container um, and help the smaller ones catch up if you will. After a little while, they get big enough to where it's not as big an issue. But yes, that can happen. I hope, Bathyphila, that that answer uh, helps you and was sufficient to get you to the next step of your project. Alrighty. Michael Wentworth, rocking the breeding is pleasure tea. Love it, man. Rock on. Chewy LTD, the best thing in tropical fish is that motto of dance fish breeding is pleasure. Yeah, thanks all for helping make it a thing. <laughs> Call that a happy accident. <laughs> um, Kayla's Aquatics, thanks for reminding everybody that if they have a question or comment for me, that if they make it at symbol dance fish, 
Uh, it'll highlight, so we'll see it. If I'm missing you, then please just repost it. Uh, I don't even mind all caps. If you've like listed a question three or four times and I'm just not seeing it because maybe it's not highlighting because maybe the device you're using doesn't have the highlight function. Uh, my phone doesn't. When I'm on live streams with my phone, the highlight function doesn't work. So I feel your pain. Um, leave it all caps or something, but also Skipper's Aquariums is here to help. If he sees that happening, he'll bring it to my attention. That's kind of a, that's kind of his mod job. Okay. Michael Wentworth, re regarding the line breeding, how often, if at all, do you back cross offspring to the original parents? So there's no set thing, Michael. Um, uh, so I want to be clear that when I do it, hopefully you have more than just a pair. So hopefully you have at least some that you can rotate. So you're not necessarily breeding daughter to parent or son to parent, right? Baby to parent, I guess. So you get a little longer before you have to back cross. Um, but basically you cross back as long as you need to, to get the traits set that you're looking for. And if you're going a long time and you haven't reached that point, but you're seeing issues and you're like, I, I'm having issues with these, they're getting too inbred, then you might have to bring in new genetics into the line even before it's set completely. Um, you don't like it when that happens because it sets you back a little bit, but that can be something you have to do. Or you could keep breeding and selecting heavily. And if you started with really good genetics, you could go quite a while um, and get that strain completely set before you find out, oh, I have to outcross. I mean, there are strains of fish out there that have been going for decades and haven't necessarily been outcrossed. So it totally depends on each strain though. It depends on their vigor, their health, what they started with, um, how well they're cold and maintained, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I don't have an exact answer for you other than if you're developing a line, you'll get to know that fish and you just have to be observant um, and, and keep an eye on it and keep tabs on it as the process goes forward. Yeah, there's no set thing. After three generations, you outcross or after five, the strain is set and you're good to go. Like it, 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 each line varies. Bathy Phila, I should add to my cannibalism question. The problem with fry eating each other when separate from the parents any options besides rearing fry individually? So it's not necessarily individually. Um, it's maybe 10 fryer in this container that are of a size that they don't have the differential to eat each other and five moved to this container because they got big, but they won't eat each other, but they would eat the others. So you can keep groups together. It's not like some, some species of frogs or whatever where you have to separate the tadpoles because they will eat each other. It's, it's just all about size. Now, here's an easy way to do it. If you have a really well-planted tank and you let the parents spawn in there and you feed baby brine shrimp occasionally, then it's very likely you'll see some fry develop and raise up. You won't get big batches, but you'll get enough probably to continue the species. Or after they've been in the aquarium that's super well-planted, especially at the top with something with long roots like water sprite, um, then remove the parents and just feed like a lot, 
<laughs> and you'll get a pretty good sized batch growing up in there without separating everyone into little containers. You can do this in a 10 gallon tank, have lots of snails, a shrimp population's great, things like that. Just so that when you're feeding a ton of food, the overfeeding of the fry, there's other organisms in there to eat it. Um, cherry shrimp are great for this snails, um, all, all that kind of stuff. So it's not that they have to be in individual containers necessarily. Hope that was clear. Michael Wentworth, is the hobby advances more people are breeding or trying to breed fish, which is awesome. I agree. Breeding is pleasure. However, I personally think there is a lack of emphasis on choline. Yeah, I, I think I think your general person breeding gets a pair or two, um, spawns the fish, raises them, and then kind of gives them away or takes them to their local auction or sells them to the pet store and then gets a new species, right? In that case, choline isn't quite as big a deal because you're not maintaining a line long-term. You're just trying a species, enjoying breeding it, and moving on. I think that's the typical use case for people breeding fish in this hobby. But yes, if you're going to go long-term, you have to be really... Uh, selective in which fish you choose to continue the line for sure. If you're not, uh, you're going to have a trash line real quick. Things get sick, things get bent, uh, body shapes go wrong. You, you know what happens. <laughs> it looks like the royal family of some some tiny little European country, right? <laughs> Skipper's Aquariums against the flow asked a question. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. I have a male betta that eats fine. He has no visible signs of disease or bloating, but he lays on the bottom ooh, and has a very hard time staying upright. What to do? Okay. So these, I mean, that could be so many things, but let's talk about some options. A, first and foremost, water quality. Is there ammonia in the water? Is there nitrite in the water? If there's nitrate, is it super elevated? Check that, okay? And, and really check it to know. There's been many times throughout the years when I've been like, what's going on? And I, I won't think water quality because I think I changed this much water. It's fine. That can't. And I move right to meds and stuff. Nothing works. I go back a week later, check the water quality, and I'm like, oh, it was ammonia, right? So check water quality first. Second thing, check temperatures. Bettas really like it, like in the mid-80s. They like it hot. So if the temperature is not up in the mid-80s, it will give him a boost if you bump it up to, say, 85, 86 degrees. Second thing is check for chlorine. Um, in betta, little betta, in betta containers, um, often there's no bubbles going, things like that, to kind of help dissipate chlorine. So you can get chlorine in there a lot easier than you could in like a typical aquarium where there's a lot of circulation and things like that. So those are three things I would check. I think that was three. If that's all good, then I would pay attention to the food. Is the food um, fresh? Is the food proper betta food? Is he getting bound up? Do you need to feed some frozen brine shrimp to help, you know, unbloat him if he's bloated or whatever? So diet's another thing to look at. 
Then if there's nothing else, if none of that works or that's all good, then we move on to disease. And if there's no outside um, signs, nothing you can see that indicates disease, it's just behavior. Oh, actually, before disease, finage. Is this like a rose tail betta or another betta that's been bred with such massive fins that they just have a hard time swimming? Okay. If that's not the case, then we move to disease. And if there's nothing external stuff, my go-to would be the nitrofurazone and canamycin. The reason is, is because canamycin is absorbed into the fish through the skin and gills. So they don't have to eat it or anything. And that gets internal into the fish and can help solve things that are going on inside, which if there's nothing external that you see or whatever is probably what's going on. So that's, um, that's kind of the order of operations I would take if I had that issue at against the flow. And I hope that helps. Um, unfortunately, it's not like dogs or cats where you can go down to the local vet and be like here and you can get a qualified, educated professional to do some tests. Be like, OK, we know what it is and we know how to treat that. I wish it was treating sick fish is there's some science to it. Um, there's some orders of operations and procedures and things, but a lot of it's guesswork just because we don't have access to those professionals. Usually, if you do, if there's a veterinarian in your area that treats fish, uh, it's a no brainer. Take it there. 44 Mad Guy 1. Yeah, the guppies I got from you stopped there. Yeah. Yep. The male's being slow this time. Skippers Aquariums, remember. Okay, if you have a question, thank you. Madfish Diva. Hey, so Madfish Diva got lucky. Her order got to her Tuesday. It was amazing. <laughs> One overnighted for the price of priority. It was great. <laughs> Hope they're doing well, Diva. Brian Nipple. Hey, Brian. After two weeks, everything is going great. I know it will take time, but I'm curious. At what size have you seen successful breeding of the half beak? So I'm glad they're doing well for you, um, Brian. And it's always wonderful to hear like a few weeks later how things are going. Because the entire reason Dancefish exists is to try to make it so people have long-term success with species. So they stay in the hobby um, as opposed to that story you always hear of, yeah, I used to have fish, but they all died. So I put the tank in the garage, right? That's the, uh, trying to change that. So I'm very gratified to hear that in two weeks later that they're doing well. Um, so the half beaks, it's, it's hard to say specific size, but you'll notice they're ready just because the females were, will start getting kind of deep bodied. They'll kind of get um, girthier than the males. And that's their body gearing up to be able to handle the strain of caring for, you know, several young, which she's going to keep internal. They're a live bearer. So they're close. My guess is that in another quarter of an inch or so from when I sent them to you, they'll be ready to breed. They might be breeding now, though. They, they I mean, the males are definitely males. There's... You can sex them easily. So they might be breeding now, but typically I don't think the females breed successfully anyway um, until they have some girth to them. So I, I think if you fed them a, a bunch, um, 
heck, it could be two weeks from now that they're ready. It just depends on kind of your feeding schedule and how quickly they'll grow. So that's my best guess, Brian, knowing how big they were when I sent you. They hadn't kind of girthed out yet. They're still, they're still fairly thin, which is kind of a juvenile thing for that species. I mean, they're always thin, but you, you'll see what I'm talking about once it happens. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, Madfish Diva, thank you. The signifers are doing well. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. By the way, for those that don't um, know Pseudomugal signifer, the Pacific blue eye, it's a delightful little blue eye, sometimes called a rainbow fish. I can't get good pictures. I can't get uh, good videos of them, uh, but I promise you in real life, they're stunning. That's the best I can say. <laughs> Wichita Falls Fish Keeper, has your experience been good with the 96-hour packs? I think you partially answered it with your heat sinks. Thanks. I haven't tried them yet. It's not cold enough uh, that I've tried them. Most places I ship to are still fairly warm. And so I, I, I'm using the small packs to cool off before they get there. My, uh, I think what I'm going to do though, Michael, and I'll, or sorry, Wichita, is um, pretty soon I'm going to pack a mock box. So I'll pack it just like it has fish in it, not put the fish in it, put the heat pack in it and put it outside and with a thermometer in it and let it sit for 24 hours. And this is a thermometer that records the highest temp and the lowest temp. So I'll know if the heat pack is overheating and I'll start with the small box. That's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of that little seven by seven by six inch box. That 96 hour heat pack that gets to 150 degrees could overheat that box. So I'll start there. I'll get back to you when I know more. I just haven't run that experiment yet. Um, I'm going to write that down because I do. It's been in the back of my mind, but I need to get that to the front of my mind. It's time. I should be able to report to you next week. Uh, please remind me next week. Dolly Vigil, it was because you said you're holding back these endlers. Oh, right, right, gotcha. Why I'm holding out on you. <laughs> 44 Mad Guy 1, I may have asked in the last stream, but my internet went out on me during the stream. Okay, and it didn't come till the next day. Do you have any African Tetras for sale? Yes, and they're awesome. And... They're super rare. I've never seen them before anywhere else. Let me show them to you because I think they're amazing. They're these uh, African pencil fish, Nani of Theops. The males get this nice red on the dorsal fin and the caudal fin. Um, and they're just a rare fish that's neat. They don't get too big. Um, Top out at, I would say, an inch, 1.75 inches, under two inches. Totally peaceful, uh, great in community aquariums, super hardy. Haven't had any problems with them. And I would highly recommend them. And again, I, I, I don't think, I just don't think you're going to ever see them anywhere else. I, I had to import them myself from Nigeria to get that fish. I, I couldn't ever find it. So, yep. That's the one I think is super cool. There's Brycinus and lots of other species as well. Congo tetras are fantastic. But what I like about these little African tetras is they don't get really big. They're not super boisterous swimmers like some of the Brycinus can be, uh, which can disturb more uh, timid fish, I guess. So these would do great with um, pelvic acromas cichlids, with apistos even. Um, I have some festivum in there with them right now. They, they've just been great. 
So those are the ones 44 Mad Guy won that I think are awesome. Edward Rodriguez, which area are your Bosmani from? I hope they're from Antigua. They're not, I wish, they're not location specific. So I, I don't have a collection point on them. I'm sorry. They're definitely not Antigua though, because if they were, the uh, supplier would have said that because then they could charge me more for them. So I'm pretty darn confident they're not Antigua. I'm sorry. I hate to disappoint you. Annalie, I see no option to join your channel. And I, am I missing something? So you can sub to my channel, but I don't have memberships. So uh, you can't join as a member. I just... Um, I've thought about that. Some people have told me I should and things, but I've decided against it, at least for now. I mean, I've only got, I've got less than 7,000 subscribers. We're still a small enough community that if you're here, you probably, you pretty much get the member treatment, right? Um, and I don't know, uh, even when, I don't know, as I, as, as this channel grows and scales, which I'm working hard to make it do, I mean, I really want this to be a successful channel. Um, I'll have to tackle growth and how to best manage that and things. And I, I mean, I've watched Aquarium Co-op for a few years now, watching how they do it. Some things they do I like, some I don't. Um, so I'm not sure where the memberships will play for me or if I'll ever do them. But right now, you're right. I, I don't have membership options. There's just no need at this size channel for it. Michael Wentworth, how many pounds of brine shrimp eggs do you go through in a week? Do you have a preferred source based on price versus hatch rate? So brine shrimp actually a little bit goes a long way. So I don't use a pound a week. Um, I'm not sure exactly how, how much I use. I go through a good amount. In fact, I'm about to put in another order for them. And what I do is I just go to all the places I know that supply them. And I just look for the lowest price. It's kind of like a commodities market. It's like trading stocks. If you have stock in like oil, let's say. Day to day, it can go up and down in different companies based on how much they, they had stored from before and all that can be vastly different. So I, when, I do, when I purchase my brine shrimp, I play the stock market. I go, I look at each option and I, I get it down to the best deal. Yeah, so that could be any number of companies. Fish Room Fever, $2. Thank you. I, I feel like now is a good time to remind everyone we're trying to help candy overhauls out. Uh, for those that didn't hear this earlier, I just want to let you know what's going on. For those that did hear it, I apologize, but candy's worth it. Um, candy overhauls, her husband, Stacy, had a heart attack on Saturday. Their medical bills are atrocious. The medicine he's going to have to be on for the rest of his life is super expensive. Um, not only did he have a heart attack, but there was a massive snowstorm and their furnace went out and their power went out. It's just been a hell of a week or five days or whatever for that family. Candy does a ton for us. So we're trying to raise some funds to help them out just so they know we care. And because they could probably use some help right now. Um, so any super chats, Half of anything I get from Super Chats is going to be given to Candy and her family. Or that's if you want to support me and Candy in one go. If you want all the money to go to Candy, um, send a donation to PayPal. My PayPal is dan at dansfish.com. 
and PayPal might remove like 2.9%, a lot less than YouTube does. And that money will go to Candy. So if you want to support both of us, leave a super chat. She'll get half of what I get. Um, if you want to give her a nice big donation though and want it all to go to her, and that's fine. Like they have need right now. Then um, send a PayPal to dan at dansfish.com. If you can figure out how to send a gift, that would be great because then it's tax-free and she gets like all of it. And I don't think that PayPal removes a cut from that. It, she just gets more of a gift than she does the other way. But if you can't figure that out, send it the other way. That's fine. Um, it, it is. It, that's fine too. So that's what's going on. That's why to win the Santa Maria Endlers tonight, um, you leave a comment with hashtag we love candy. C-A-N-D-I is how you spell candy, not Y like the candy you eat. Um, 163 watching. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. If you haven't done so, if you would consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and hitting notification bells, that would be fantastic. Cheers in advance. Oh, last thing on Michael Wentworth's question about Brian Shrimp. Do you have a preferred source based on price versus hatch rate? It's exactly that ratio. Um, if it's a 90% hatch rate and the price is a little higher, sometimes I'll pay that. But if it's an 85% hatch rate and the price is half of a 90%, then the math works out to just do that. And I have really good hatchers that are very good at separating the eggs from the noplii or whatever those little baby brine shrimp are called. Um, so I'm not so concerned if it's 80, 85, 90% hatch rate. I just look at the cost versus what I'm going to yield out of it and make the decision based on cost. I've never had a fry, as far as I know, never had a fish, adult, baby fish, fry, whatever, die from eating an unhatched brine shrimp egg or a brine shrimp egg shell. I think that's a myth. Um, it's just roughage. It's just fiber. But there could be some species out there that can't handle that in their digestive system, but I have not encountered it to my knowledge yet. Small fry aquatics, the CBD got sick in spite of your three-stage medications. Yeah, they did. And, and this does happen. I mean, <laughs> the medicines I have only treat certain things. There are thousands of issues fish can have. And they did. So they came in looking great. And this does happen, I, I wouldn't say frequently, but it happens enough that it doesn't surprise me when it does. The shipment will come in looking great. And then, but they'll have been super stressed in that the effects of that, whatever illness the stress um, allows to get a foothold in the fish doesn't show up for a few days. And that's what happened with the CPDs. So it looked great. A couple days later, we're pinched up, had uh, some kind of external parasite and I think some kind of internal thing going on as well because they got super thin, super fast. I'm happy to say though, out of I think 200, I only lost four and the rest are rallying. They're, they're on the mend. So I'm hopeful that in a couple weeks they'll be ready to go, but it's gonna take as long as it takes. Hopefully this isn't one of those fish that I have to sit on for three months before I can sell it or never end up being able to sell just because it, it never gets to the point I'm confident it'll ship well, but we'll see, we'll see. Like, uh, it's up to the fish. Chat jumped 
massively. I must have been way behind. So the first comment or question I can see is another the Z. Hey, is it unusual for your hatchet fish to be so low in the water? Like now, why is it? (laughs) So if you left a question or comment above that um, and I missed it, I literally cannot scroll up to see it. So uh, if you would repost it, then I'll I'll get to it. Oh, we're almost to the end. It's 824. So we're going to pull the drawing in a couple minutes and be done with this. So I might not get to your question or comment. If so, I apologize. Um, got to as many as I could and still give like what I feel like is a meaningful answer. I don't like to just be like, yes, no. Put that with goldfish. You know, I don't like those. I, I like to give meaningful answers. But it, the, I don't know why the hatchet fish do this, but they always do. Unless, unless they think they're getting fed. Oh, they're not doing it now, of course, because I'm on camera. But usually when I lift that lid up, they go up to the top. I'm not sure why, though. I like to think it's because they're super comfortable. Um, Hatchet fish, their escape plan is to jump. Basically, they're a flying fish, a freshwater flying fish. And so when they feel threatened, they really hug the surface. So my take on it is they're super comfortable, so they don't have to hug the surface. That's what I hope is going on. The fish room fever... New member Fish Room Fever, hit the like. $2. Thanks for subscribing, Fish Room Fever. Good to have you. Um, did I miss another one? Hang on. I want to make sure I didn't miss a super chat. Slippery Fish Aquatics, $24.99. We love candy. Yes, we do. And thank you so much for the super chat. This can help me and her. And again, for those that want like all the money to go to candy, send it through PayPal to dan at dancefish.com. I'll see that it gets to her and I'll share my account with her so she can verify that. So, you know, you're not getting ripped off, which on the internet, something you have to be aware of or careful about, I guess. Against the flow. Thank you so much. You're welcome. True LTD. Are there ways of finding a vet you can contact? Uh, you can contact the World Veterinary Aquatic Association. They can help people. Awesome. Awesome. So, if you're looking for an aquatic vet and want to see if there's one close to you, check out Aquatic World Aquatic Veterinary Association. Thanks, Chewy. I did not know that. Aquaballs, do you get any leaf fish? I want to. Um, I can get like Asian and African leaf fish all day long, but the ones I really like are the South American leaf fish. Um, they've been coming in and I can get them. The price is ridiculous though, so I haven't. Hello, slippery fish. Hello. And I am burning through these because we just have a few minutes. Coffee Joe, I'm sorry, (laughs) not Coffee Joe, Joe Coffee 9476. Have you ever had a Pistagramma Viejita come through your shop? Not often, never. Me personally in this facility, no, but I'm familiar with that fish. I've never kept it personally though. Um, I'm hoping to get some Nita Pistos on Monday. We'll see what actually arrives, but Viejita was not one of them. Michael Wentworth, do you have states on breeding as pleasure shirts? Has it gone? Has it sold out the dance fish black tea yet? So Michael, um, thank you for asking for anyone that wants a t-shirt. Candy just linked the teespring where you can order them. They're print on demand, so they never sell out. So we've got them. If you want a t-shirt like this, that is uh, awesome and innocuous, but makes people think. (laughs) 
just just a slight head scratcher. Check out my Teespring candy overhauls. Just just linked it there. Emily, thank you. It's a wonderful channel. Hey, I'm glad you like it. Thanks for being here. Subs, shares, likes, notification bell hits are all appreciated. One day, maybe members will um, will make sense, but we're not even close yet. Chewy LTD, have you signed up for the Fish Fam newsletter? Oh no, Chewy, thanks for calling me out. I keep meaning to do that. I have not done it yet. I, I like every time I think about it, I'm not at a place where I can do it. And so, but yes, I need to do that. 44 Mad Guy 1, awesome. Thanks for, okay, 44 Mad Guy 1. I'm going to slow down. I'm trying to hurry, but I'm hurrying too fast. Things are getting sloppy. Awesome. Thanks for looking for a dither fish for the African butterfly fish. I want to move them over to their final tank home. Awesome. Yep. That should be an awesome combo. Skipper's Aquariums from L Flower One Stars. How many days in the week to feed Otto's veggies? Every day. So yeah, every day. So one of the keys with Otto's and fish like that there's lots of species of autos, farowellas, things like that is keep food in front of them. So, and keep food in front of them like all day long, or if they're nocturnal, uh, autos aren't, I don't believe, but if you have a nocturnal species all night long, and you can do that by blanching vegetables, canned green beans, um, different rapashi foods, um, taking rocks or pieces of wood, putting them in s- underwater in sunlight or really bright right, light with some nutrients in the water, get an algae br- bloom, and then move that into the tank for them to feed. But they need pretty constant food. Their food source is not high energy, so they need a lot of it. And they eat all day long. Michael Brandle, GoShipo versus PayPal ship now. If you're accepting payments through PayPal, then it might be easier to ship through PayPal. But PayPal's shipping is just a little clunkier, I think, than GoShipo. But um, but if I was accepting all my money for my store through PayPal, then it would probably make sense just to ship through PayPal. Yeah. You wouldn't need the uh, GoShipo service at that point, I don't think. Although I will say, I take that back. I save on average $2 a box by shipping through GoShipo rather than PayPal. PayPal is more expensive, not on flat rate boxes, but on the non-flat rate boxes, PayPal is more expensive than Shippo. So it might be worth it if you're shipping several boxes that are not flat rate to use GoShipo. Now, I want to be clear, I'm not really promoting GoShipo. Um but they're just what I use and people ask. Okay, it's 8.30, time to do the drawing and wrap this up so that my moths don't have to stay up all night and I can go tuck my kids into bed. Anyone whose question or comment I did not get to, I'm sorry. I did the best I could in the hour and a half we had together. Chat jumped a couple times when it does that. It sometimes makes it so I can't see what you left. It won't let me scroll up high enough to get to your question or comment. So I really apologize, I don't try to do that. But we did what we could. Hopefully it was a good stream. Hopefully your question or comment got answered in a way that was helpful. We'll do this again next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, Real quick, before we close up, I want to report on PayPal. Let me make sure I'm not showing this. (laughs) I can't be showing um, my PayPal account. Not not just because, hang on. 
I'm talking and typing. Just give me one second. Not just because like it'd be weird if you saw like my money, I guess, but mainly because it shows different people and their orders and the amounts and stuff. And that's that's no good. Hey, people have really stepped up. I don't know the exact total, but there have been a lot of people who have come in and donated. And it looks like let me it might be nice to have the total. By the way, anyone who's watching this on the replay, um, you can as long as you leave a note that says this is for candy, you can PayPal and I'll get it to candy. Um, I'm thinking by Sunday at midnight is when uh, I'd like things to be in just so I can wrap it up and get her the money. But um, but if you're seeing this two weeks from now and want to leave a donation, we're not going to say no, right? So real quick, let me do some quick math. 50, 100, 150. It looks like just real quick with me doing math in my head, which is always dangerous, that we've got about $175 raised through PayPal for Candy and her family. So thank you so much for everyone that donated that way. Really appreciate it. I think that's going to, you know, help out a lot for a family that's going through crisis, right? All right. Cool. So now let's draw and see who won. So there are 106 eligible users that are eligible to win that left a hashtag we love candy in the chat. The winner will win at least two pairs of Santa Maria Endlers, my strain that I've spent a couple years working on and getting to breed true, getting the lines really clean, getting the colors and body shape right, and making sure are super hardy. So um, I think they're a special strain. Well, I spent a lot of time on them. They're special to me, but you know, they're normally 85 bucks a pair. So this is a decent giveaway. I feel like here we go. We're going to do this and move on. Um, by the way, um, 54 punchy. If you're streaming right after this, please note it down below so I can send people over to you when you're doing that. If you're doing that, let's see one drum roll and Alien World Aquatics, you have won. So Alien World Aquatics, please send, uh, you have to be present to win. So please note down below that you are here and that you're like, yep, that's me, I won. There you go, OMG, lots of exclamation points. Alien World Aquatics, congratulations on winning a couple pairs of Santa Maria Endlers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for helping make this uh, awesome live stream. I had fun. And um, Alien World Aquatics, please send an email to dan at dansfish.com. That's my email. Um, by noon tomorrow would be fantastic saying, hey, I won those. This is my real name and this is my shipping address. Okay. So that I can ship them to you. Um, even if you think I already have your address, address, if you would send it in the email. That would be great. So I need a first and last name and a shipping address. Um, make it easy for me, please. So I don't have to look, but anyway, congrats. That's awesome. Hope you enjoy them. Um, 54 punchy is going to stream in about 25 minutes at nine o'clock mountain time. So if you want more, she's got stories for days, check out her stream. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. I had a great time. Thanks to my mods. 
I so appreciate you guys. Um, thanks to everyone who donated to the cause to help Candy Overholes and her family, uh, Stacy and Caleb, through this rough time. And uh, Candy, we just appreciate and love you so much. Thanks for everything you do. Um, and everyone that made it lively with, uh, with questions and comments and helping each other out. I really appreciate everyone. And of course, all you lurkers, I'm with you. I feel you. What's the lurker sign? That's no longer loser. <laughs> That's now lurker. <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right. Until next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. <clears throat> Have a good one. Bye-bye.